You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Good morning and welcome to the Dean's Class. I'm very glad to introduce to you the Reverend Wes Sharp. Wes, as you all have read, has joined the staff uh, at the Advent, and I thought it would be a good idea for us to get to know Wes a little bit better and to uh, maybe dive into some issues about um, you know, his, his calling and, uh, and also maybe a little bit of what it looks like to minister during times of COVID. But before we get started, let's have a word of prayer. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, we thank you that uh, you are so good to us and that you are the God who provides and for bringing Allison and Wes and the boys to us. And we pray that you would continue to lead them and guide them and sustain them and that you would even speak now uh, in the midst of our conversation as we talk about what you are doing in the life of the Sharps as well as the life of our congregation. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, Wes, uh, tell us uh, a little bit about yourself. Uh, tell us uh, who, your, who your family is. Um, so, family, um, a little bit about myself. First of all, I grew up here in the state of Alabama, in North Alabama, and uh, went to Sanford University here in Birmingham, had a little stint in Florida before coming back to Alabama. And uh, Allison, my wife, and I have been married for 17 years now. We actually got married in the Sanford Chapel, where we also met in the mm. Sanford Chapel. And uh, we have three boys, uh, Davis, Layton, and Elliot. They are 12, uh, almost 10, and almost 5. So um, they're, they're a handful, but they're a lot of fun. And yeah. um, so that's uh, uh, my, my wife, Allison, homeschools our boys. And, God bless uh, her. Yes, I know. It, um, and that makes for an adventure every single day, for sure. But um, it's been a blessing to us. And just to see their personalities come out and their, uh, their each individuality and how they, how they kind of do life, and um, it, it makes for some, for, for some fun in the sharp poem yeah. <laughs> on a daily basis. Well, let's back up a little bit. You grew up in uh, North Alabama in Fort Payne, is that right? That is right. The sock capital of the world. The sock capital uh, of the world. Yeah. And uh, tell us how you, you came to know the Lord. Um, I jokingly say I was in church the week after I was born. Uh, my, I, I was ra- born and raised in a Baptist church uh, in outskirts of Fort Payne, actually, a smaller town than Fort Payne called Dogtown. Uh, most people don't know where that is, but unless you know where the furniture shop is. <laughs> right. uh, um, and there was a small little Baptist church that we went to, and um, so I, I was raised in the church, but not only was I raised in the church, my parents were very diligent to to show me the gospel and everything uh, in, in life and show what it meant to uh, have grace when, you know, as a young boy I made mistakes. And so um, I saw Jesus a lot through just life. I saw, um, and then, of course, there were those, as any good Baptist kid, there were that, was that moment where uh, do, you, do you believe in Jesus? We've been teaching you about Jesus. Do you believe in Jesus? And, and of course, uh, at, that, at that time, somewhere around seven, eight years old, I I made that public profession of faith, and um, and it really wasn't until I got to high school when I had a, a a youth minister who really poured into my life and just said, "Let's talk through what Scripture says about what it means to be a faithful follower of Jesus." And um, and so everything at that point that I had learned and known from my parents and and been taught in church all kind of came together as we opened the Word together and studied Scripture together, and He invested in my life, and so. Uh, and then it just kind of kept going from there as I moved into college. I had faithful men who were investing in me and 
pouring into my life and challenging me and um, and and so the Lord just kind of kept growing me deeper and deeper in relationship with him and and uh, so that that's kind of how I I guess if you will how I came to know the Lord but continue to know the Lord right. in in my relationship now was uh, where along the way did you feel a call to full-time ministry whether that be ordained or another kind of ministry yeah so That's an interesting story. I fought that for a long time. Uh, When I got to college, uh, I I went to school thinking that I should be a doctor, Mm -hmm. and uh, and I think I was, and I don't think I know. I was I was thinking more with what my checkbook would look like than anything else as a doctor. You know, I had dollar signs in my eyes, and um, and it wasn't till about my I guess my junior year of college, I had a a good friend who was also my roommate, who basically had, had. We'd done some ministry type things together, and I think I had actually led music for something. And he came back, and we were sitting in our dorm room, and he said, "Why are you resisting the call into ministry? It's clear that God's given you a gift to do this, and I think He might be calling you into." And and I almost got angry at him, like, "What? No, that I, I'm here because I want to be a doctor." And uh, and I jokingly say it was organic chemistry too, that God said, "It took you to too." Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> The, the fifth chemistry of all of my college career um, to finally say, this is not what you're meant to do. And uh, it, it was that and a, and a culmination of some other things that I really felt the Lord just pressing on me to say, I've, I've got something else in store mm-hmm. for you and, and I want to use you in ministry. And it was one of those uh, surrender moments for me, um, you know, where I just said, okay, I don't know what that looks like. And I don't know what that means. And I never thought I would be a a pastor or a priest or anything like that. And so uh, just kind of surrendered and said, Lord, you're going to have to walk me through this because I don't know where I'm going from here. And, of course, he has. Um, and um, so that's kind of how, how I really felt the call on my life and navigated through several years of what that would look like uh, mm-hmm. out of college and in seminary and that sort of thing. So. You know, so what did it look like uh, as you uh, realized, I'm not going to be a doctor? Uh, what, did, what did post Samford look like for you and and Allison? <clears throat> well, so I, I went ahead and finished my degree in pre-med, uh, and uh, I, I conquered, as I say, organic chemistry, and, and went ahead and finished it, even knowing that I wasn't going to be a doctor, and uh, and wrestled really with what did it look like to be a full-time minister? Did I need to go to seminary? Did I have another uh, was there another route? What, what did that all look like? And, and, and all the while, Allison and I had met and were dating, and uh, we had actually gotten engaged um, my second senior year of college. Um, and so I knew uh, something was going to happen, but um, I, I was kind of doing some things on the side and working in various places, and, and literally it seemed that the Lord closed every single door to, to things here in Birmingham. Uh, I couldn't find anything full time. I couldn't find, I didn't know what I was supposed to do. And of course, I've got a soon to be wife who's going, what are we going to do? And how are we going to live? And, and, uh, and, and that same friend who said, I wonder what it would look like if you were called into ministry called me and said, you know what? Uh, I'm at, at Reformed Theological Seminary in Orlando. And I think this is a place you need to be. Hmm. And, uh, and so we went down. Before we were married, we, we went down and, and visited and kind of uh, met with the staff there at, at RTS and then uh, met with a place that was willing to hire us as 
teacher so that I could work and go to school. And so uh, she literally interviewed, this, this principal interviewed us and said, the job's yours if you want it. And uh, RTS said, you're accepted and you can start when you get here. And so everything just fell into place on that level. Mm-hmm. And um, so we started, uh, we literally got married in August, came back from our honeymoon, moved to Orlando, Florida, started work on a Monday. We moved in on an apartment on Sunday, started work on Monday, and I started seminary about three weeks later. And uh, it was a whirlwind of uh, adventure <laughs> at that point. And I started, ironically, I started part-time thinking, well, maybe I can work my way through seminary part-time. Right. And uh, I would have been on the, I think, the 10 or 12-year track at that point. And so... Right, you can uh, talk to Cameron Cole yeah, about that. Yeah. Uh, I have spoken to Cameron about that, but, um, but it became really clear after about a year, year and a half of being there that part-time wasn't going to work. And so uh, I, I said jokingly, I let Allison become my sugar mama while I was in seminary. Right. As a, um, and, and I went to school full-time and uh, finished my degree there and and, and actually, while I was there, I'll just kind of keep telling the story, while I was in Orlando is when uh, I got involved with a church there, an Episcopal church in, in Lake Mary, Florida, um, where the priest was also an RTS guy, but then had gone on to, to get an uh, Anglican certificate or Episcopal seminary degree. And, uh, and he was a solid guy, and he had gotten, we'd gotten to know him, and and we gotten involved with the church there. And mm-hmm. it, that, it was in those moments that he said, I, I want you to stay here. And we had said, we'll go to seminary in Orlando, but then we're moving back to Birmingham. You know, this is right. a short-term thing. Little did we know 13 years later, we'd, we'd finally get back to the Birmingham right. area. Um, so was so. there something, you know, so you, you went off to RTS as a Baptist. Did you go to church anywhere when you were here in, at Samford? We did. We... Um, I, I went to various places, you know, like in college, I shopped around to different churches, and um, we went to the Church of Brook Hills mm-hmm. out, in, uh, out on 280, then we, we did Briarwood in the evenings right. with Harry Reeder and his expository teaching, and, uh, and, and also just kind of hopped around into other places, yeah. too, and so um, not really, I would say, uh, as a Baptist kid, I wasn't we weren't saying let's find a, a Baptist church. It was more right. of a let's find a church that's preaching God's word faithfully and, and that mm-hmm. we can grow and uh, be engaged with. And so, um, so yeah, that, so then going to a, what would be a predominantly Presbyterian seminary right. was uh, a, a bit of a, I guess, a culture theological shock, if you will, of, okay, now, but I'd been wrestling with those things in school already mm-hmm. in, in undergraduate school of, okay, where, what does this mean theologically? Where do I stand? And you're uh, talking about struggling with reformed doctrine, right? The reformed versus doctrine. sort of the Arminian, which which is alive and well in the Southern Baptist Convention. Sure, absolutely. Today, but but you 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 at least were leaning more toward a reformed understanding yes. of the faith. Yeah, and and not as much as I would later mm-hmm. as I went to RTS. Um, I, I was almost I won't say oblivious to what um, to what RTS is kind of main thrust was from the reformed doctrines but um once i got there i was hook line and sinker at that mm-hmm. point i you know i i just ate it up and thought gosh this is stuff i feel like i should already have been taught and know and um and so it took that baptist kid to a kind of more of a reformed presbyterian kind of feel to it but then thrust into uh the episcopal church where i saw some of that reformed doctrine being played out in the church where I was serving, which mm-hmm. was very encouraging and, and uplifting. And, um, 
and, and really alive in, in what we were doing there. So you, you're at RTS, you graduate from RTS, you, um, you, you're on the staff of St. Peter's Lake Mary, and uh, you're there kind of in a lay capacity, but mm-hmm. on the road to ordination with the understanding that you would become an associate pastor there, is that right? Yeah, my story, I feel like I, I fought the Lord a lot in a lot of different places, and the ordination track was one of those too, because I, I remember having a lot of conversations with the with the rector there at St. Peter's just saying, I, I don't know if I want to dive in to the ordination track. And, and he said, well, regardless of that, I want you in this position and I want you doing these things and I want you engaging. And so my primary roles were uh, I led the music and the worship. So I, I was over the liturgy um, and then I equipped and discipled and trained. And then I had a little hand in the mission evangelism side of things as well. And eventually, after being on staff there for about a year, he came to me and said, you know, you're doing a lot of what you would be doing in ordained ministry aside mm-hmm. from some of, the, um, some of the table work. And so why don't we have that discussion and really talk about what that would look like more? I think it would be really encouraging for us as a church to have you uh, go through that. But I think you, you may find that that's where the Lord's leading you. And so we prayed, Allison and I prayed a lot about that. And um, after a while, it was one of those, another surrender moment where I just said, okay, Lord, um, this is a little scary to me. I don't know what it all looks like. I don't know where it's all going, but uh, I'm willing to follow if this is where you want to go. And, and, he, and again, opened all the doors necessary just to kind of walk through them. I didn't have to push any of them down mm-hmm. to, to walk through that ordination process. So you were at St. Peter's for 13 years. Mm-hmm. 12 yeah. years on staff. 12 yeah. years on staff, but but 13 years uh, after, after kind of landing there. And um, what, I mean, what was Allison's background and, and what was her thinking of, okay, we, uh, we went to a Baptist university, we're going to a reformed uh, seminary that is mostly made up of Presbyterians, and now we're in an in, in Episcopal church. What was, what was her thinking? I, I know it's hard to speak for your wife. Yeah, but. well, we talked a lot about it. So, um, it, you know, her, her upbringing, her grandfather was actually a Baptist minister. And mm-hmm. so uh, she grew up um, in the Southern Baptist church as well, um, traveled around. Her dad was in the military, so she traveled around to various places and various churches and was connected in different ways. Um, but I would say we, we lived that journey together. We dialogued that journey together in, in a sense of, do we feel called to be at RTS? And what does that mean for us? And, and so as I would come home uh, after sitting through, you know, a class, I would start kind of conversing with her. And she said, that, that really makes sense to me. That, you know, and so we kind of, I kind of walked with her through that. She walked with me through that, however you want to kind of term that. And so when we got to the, to the place where, we felt called to be in an Episcopal church. Um, she was very much uh, the one who was saying, it, it just feels right. It feels like this is the place we're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I never would have said that, you know, 10 years ago, uh, being, being the good Baptist-raised child that I am, but this seems good. This seems like the right thing to do. And so uh, it was clear that it was a call that that was where we were supposed to be. And that didn't come, that didn't come without some struggles along the way of kind of just, oh gosh, what is this going to look like? And how's this all, how are we all going to navigate this? And what does this mean doctrinally and that sort of thing? But, um, but I think she went through it with much grace and, and was right along 
right beside me the whole way and mm-hmm. um, in, in agreement with where we felt like the Lord was leading us. Yeah. So, well, that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think we could have otherwise. Um, and so, the, I yeah. mean, so your your boys have only known the Anglican world, really, that's right, mm-hmm. spiritually, and uh, you go from uh, what is, uh, for all intents and purposes, uh, a lively, healthy congregation in the Diocese of Central Florida, and you answer the call to be the rector of uh, a struggling congregation which uh, we would refer to it as a repot, sort of a restart uh, in, mm-hmm. in Trustful. So it was good to have you back in Birmingham, but talk a little bit about, um, you know, ministry in Trustful. Yeah, it, it felt like I was coming home in a lot of ways from a ministry perspective, you know, having grown up in uh, the Deep South and, and the spirituality that exists in the Deep South, um, Trustful is no different, I think. There's a lot, of, a lot of folks that go to church. Uh, yeah. You know, a big, big major part of the community is in church somewhere. And so it's a different kind of ministry, I think, of um, ver- the churchgoer versus the growing believer. And that's hard to decipher between without having true relationships, I think. Right. Really digging into relationships and saying, where are you in your walk with the Lord? Uh, I grew up with a lot of people who would attend church on Sunday and forget about it Monday through Saturday. Right. Certainly didn't live. And so um, I won't say I, I, there is some of that there in, in a trustful setting. Um, but genuinely, I do see that uh, folks, as I've engaged with them, were trying to uh, look at what does it look like to grow deeper in my relationship. Mm-hmm. And so they understood that it was more than just a, a I'm going to go to church. I think we're in a different time now, you know, where back when I was growing up is the thing to do to go to church. Now it's, well, if I'm going to go to church, I want to know why and what, and I've got to have a purpose here right. uh, for doing it. And so I think you see some of that in Trustful as well. Of, well, I'm not going to go unless I, I feel like it's actually going to change my life. And so um, doing ministry that way, you want to be able to, to, of course, offer people as they walk into the doors of the church the good news of the gospel. And without that, uh, it is a rotary club that right. you can be part of. And so uh, seeing that kind of take hold in the life of um, uh, a church in Trustful was encouraging in a lot of ways. You know, I saw, we saw folks coming through the doors of, hey, the, you know, a Baptist-saturated culture, the Episcopal Church is not very well known right. in in that area even most people would say that I didn't even know that was a church there and so to engage with them about what that looked like and what was the what was the history behind those things and at the same time uh, how does the liturgy function with the gospel and vice versa and 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 what does that mean for us yeah. and so I got into a lot of those kinds of conversations with folks who were church shopping, if you will, looking for a place to be. And mm-hmm. we saw uh, several families that came and, and <coughs> said, we like what we see. We, yeah. we like what we hear. This is encouraging. This is, this is something we've been looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, so as you look back on, on the years that you were at, how many years was that? We, uh, three and a half. Three and a half years at Trustful. Uh, new families coming in, uh, especially families that uh, may have come from uh, non-Anglican backgrounds, yeah. um, but really uh, sort of for the same reason you might have gone to Briarwood or Brook Hills, like mm-hmm. the words being preached here, and we feel like this is a community that we would want to be a part of. Are there any other accomplishments that you would look back and say, 
man, that, uh, I, I'm really amazed that, that God did that. Yeah, uh, I had the opportunity, um, my, my big, one of my biggest emphasis, uh, just because I, it made such a huge impact to me in my life, was being invested in and discipled and, and brought through the faith. Um, learning how to handle the word, mm-hmm. and uh, and and I really pushed that that was not just the job of the clergy to do that, and so I had the opportunity there to really take a a, a handful of folks uh, through what it looked like to do that on a regular basis, but also to be able to do that with somebody else, to sit down with coffee at lunch or wherever it might be and say, hey, let's open the Word together and right. talk about Scripture. And so those, those things were very encouraging to be able, you know, I had those, those folks who were responsive to, to that um, type of ministry were, were extremely encouraging to mm-hmm. me to say, yeah, this makes sense. And I just saw light bulbs go off of, ooh, that, I've never done it this way before. I've I've never been challenged in this way before, and this is encouraging and mm-hmm. uh, causing me to have to, to really, you know, walk through the sanctifica- sanctification process for myself. <laughs> and, um, and what is that, you know, maybe I need to look at how I've been doing things. And, yeah, tell us uh, a little bit about that, if you're willing. I mean, uh, first time that you, you've been a rector uh, in a challenging situation, what are some of the takeaways for yourself when it comes to leading a congregation, what you learned about ministry? Yeah, that, that's a good question. I'm still processing a lot of that, I think. Um, th- there were good things and there were bad things, sure. of course, that come with ministry. And so um, I, I think in kind of the things that I've learned, um, particularly with, with a small congregation, is that they do function like a, a, a small family, really mm-hmm. and truthfully. Uh, a lot of people have been there a long time. And so to kind of get outside the mentality of, this is just our family. Um, we got to get outside right. the four walls and say, we got to welcome other people into our family. We got to be able to, when somebody new comes into the doors of the church, to not just say, hey, we're glad to see you, but to really mean we're glad to see you and, right. and engage with them and, and want to minister to them. And so um, that, that came, that was both positive and challenging at times to see that happen. Um, I think most people who would come uh, did did experience some of that, uh, of the, okay, I, I do feel like I'm welcomed here and part of that. Um, the, the other challenge I would say is I don't, I don't know that it's necessarily, um, you know, entrustful. I think it's uh, across the board in what you might call the Bible Belt, and that is uh, that, that, again, a new way of thinking about doing ministry, that, it, you know, just because the church is there doesn't mean somebody's going to walk in it. Right. And so what does that mean for us as Christians? What does that mean for us is if we are in relationship with the Lord and, this, and we take seriously the call to go and to baptize and make Christians, well, then that does mean we have to walk out of the door of the church and, and, and live it and engage with it and be part of it. And, and uh, for somebody who's never been kind of pushed to do that, it's, it's very intimidating. How do I do that? How do I go about doing that? And... Um, that's not the way it happened to me, you know, I, right. I was, because I grew up in the church, I didn't think like that, um, but it really is taking the words of Jesus seriously of there are lost people, and, and mm-hmm. we want them to know the Lord, we want them to know who Christ is, and they don't just get it through osmosis, they're right. not just going to get it because um, that, what is it, famous St. Francis quote of, 
preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. Right, which I think it's said. necessary to use <laughs> words. Yeah, and I, we don't really know that he said it, but, but, but people quote that all the time, and, and my response to that is it's absolutely necessary to use words. Right. Um, because otherwise it's just a morality thing. Right. You know, we're just being good people. And so, um, so I think I learned... Uh, to go back to your question, I learned what it looked like to engage folks and, and really push them out of that comfort zone, uh, especially here in the South, of saying, let's engage, and, and it's, not, it's not crazy. It's not, you know, we're not, we're not doing something off the wall here. We're literally living in relationships mm-hmm. with folks to engage them with the gospel. Yeah. Um, and, um, I mean, other thing as far as struggles go, there's small church... Sure. always has their own struggles of, of various things, you know, from um, um, peacemaking when we hurt each other. Right. How do we handle it? Uh, you know, just like in any family when you hurt one another. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, a good southern thing is to sweep it under the rug and pretend like it didn't happen until that beast under the rug kind of grows and just attacks everybody. Right. Um, you know, we really had to walk through a lot of that of, hey, if somebody's hurt you, go to them and talk right. to them about it. Tell them where they've wronged you and, and uh, seek forgiveness and yeah. uh, look to be reconciled. So those were some learning things as well that yeah. I, I experienced a lot of. Yeah, I, I think when you first went out there, I sent you an article uh, by Andrew Forrest, and there was a, they had pulled out one of, his, one of his quotes and bolded it and said, if your church has a community garden, you're already dead. <laughs> and um, and you, you had one of those. Um, although it can be argued the Advent has one too uh, out there. Uh, But Andrew Forrest was really helpful early on to me in seeing where the Advent may have made a mistake um, or mistakes. Um, It was a learning experience, as I said in the Adventure Award a couple weeks ago. It wasn't a failure as much as it was a great learning experience for Mm -hmm. us. And the fact, sometimes God says no. And, And by that, I mean... You know, Holy Cross Trustful has determined that, you know, that they want to be a small church but a big family, and that they uh, want to allocate their resources in such a way that they would rather have a part-time rector, and that's their decision to make, and and we certainly honor that. Uh, But I remember talking with Andrew on the phone. Andrew did the same thing at a place called Munger Place Memorial United Methodist Church, um, That's a mouthful. It is a mouthful. <laughs> and Andrew was sent in. It was a giant structure in Dallas, but they, um, um, but it had just dwindled down to almost nothing. And Andrew came in to restart it. And when I spoke with Andrew, and I know his extended family, I know his aunt and uncle and his cousins because mm-hmm. uh, I, I served a church in Virginia and they were in the congregation and I knew the kids well because I was doing youth ministry. And... Um, and Andrew said, well, I don't want to rub salt in the but here's where you've already done things wrong. And he just kind of had this litany of things, and um, yeah, he was right. Uh, he was right about some of the, the pointers that he had about um, how things would have gone differently, and, and, and also uh, what, what he had learned at Munger Place Memorial mm-hmm. United Methodist. Yeah. But, um, but I, I think that you know, God in His wisdom has done what He's done, and, um, and I'm, I'm certainly resting in that. And uh, one of the great things to come out of it is our relationship with you, and uh, now coming on staff of the Advent uh, in, until at least uh, the end of the year, 
um, which really isn't that much time, but, but really glad that you and Allison and the boys are here and want you to be able to, to have a time of rest. We want to be able to minister to you, um, to have a hand in things. Y'all saw him this morning uh, during the, the service officiating. Uh, we'll get you in the pulpit a little bit. But, um, you know, what I, I'm really curious to hear, like coming into a church that you kind of know but really don't know, because we probably feel like we know you better than you know us, because we pray for you all the time. Um, what's it like during COVID to come into a new congregation? Yeah, and, and to your point too, it's so funny. The um, before I answer that, it's so true that people here at the Advent have come up to me on so many occasions and said, "We pray for you every single week. We know who you are." And I'm like, "I don't, I don't know who you are, <laughs> but but I appreciate you praying for me." And uh, and my you my, should give me a bake good so yeah. I can know you better. <laughs> Yeah, bread, brownies, those sorts of things. I'm all about that. But, but I do tell them, uh, for those who've said that since we've been here, um, said, I appreciate the prayers. We keep praying. That yeah. we, we definitely covet your prayers during this time. And so, but to come into a, I mean, we're in strange world this year. Everything, as we all know, kind of turned upside down in March or so. And, and, uh, and so to come into a place where, and I will say, I do feel like I, uh, it hasn't been a, an awkward feeling. It's been like I've stepped into a place where I've known. Yeah, there's a because, lot of cross-pollination. Yeah, because yeah. I've known, you know, we've, we've worked together and talked a lot and, uh, throughout these three and a half years. And so uh, it's not this awkward, I'm the brand new guy that doesn't know anything. I do, have, I do know a little bit of what's going on here from conversations. And so that's helped in the transition. Uh, but then just coming into a... Uh, a a situation where where COVID has kind of turned us all upside down, I think we're really having to see where ministry looks different. And that's not always a bad thing. I think it's Mm -hmm. caused all churches to kind of step back and say, could we be more effective in what we're doing, but doing it in a different way? Right. And um, so, uh, you know, those conversations on Zoom, those conversations on uh, over the phone where you're you're interacting with folks and – I do think that COVID has allowed for some pretty intense training to take place in, in disciple making, especially where, you know, a lot of people, they weren't having a lot of stuff, you know, their schedules were cut in half or more. And so they had some more time to devote to what does this look like and how do I go about doing this in my daily life? And, and so to see some of that, um, and, and really kind of coming in for me and, and, and coming on the coattails of those who've done the work, Matt and Mike and some of those from a mm-hmm. shepherding and discipling, you know, again, that being one of my big hearts in ministry, um, it's been kind of nice to come in and, and share a, a shared language right. of what that looks like and, and say, now, what, what, can, what can I do to help kind of mm-hmm. carry this ministry to the, to the next phase? And so um, while there's been some awkwardness, I do feel like uh, from a COVID standpoint, I think it's really, uh, I see it as encouraging kind of a hitting the, the reset button, if you will, that needed to be hit in a lot of ways um, for me, especially uh, to say, how do I go about doing ministry now that I can't necessarily sit and talk with somebody or I can't see somebody in a right. congregational setting? Um, it, it's caused me to be more personal and, and individual in some of that. And so... Um, I think blessings, blessings in that way have been great, and I think the church indeed uh, will come out stronger on the other end if we're being diligent to do those things. 
Um, yeah, I think it, yeah, speaking of the church as as the local congregation, certainly, I, you know, there's, I think that places that that were already highly relational, and by that I mean that the the ministry was relational, rooted in the Word, but had small group Bible studies, things mm-hmm. like that. They seem to have fared much better. Places that where Sunday morning was kind of it, which is basically our model with an Anglicanism, yeah. uh, especially in North America. Sure. Um, it, they've really struggled because they think, yeah. I can't do ministry unless we can all be here. And, of course, right. that's essential to being the church. Um, God's people gathered around His Word. Uh, but, but it has really, I think, uh, clarified, as you said, the kind mm-hmm. of ministry that we should have had all along and need to have uh, moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, again, I think that's going to be a positive thing. Like you said, for those who were already kind of doing that model of ministry to, it got ramped up really fast starting in March where you say, okay, now the church doesn't look like a congregation gathering anymore. It really is that, that small group, uh, who's, who's investing in you and, uh, who's sharing life with you and, uh, and, and opening the Word together on a, a much more intimate level than large church. And that's not to take away the large church need, but, um, but I think uh, what I see here, and in, in just being here a couple of weeks, I see that being a very healthy thing yeah. in the church, and I see a lot of those groups taking place that are, that are, that are strong because of they understood that the church uh, is not this building, it's the people. It's, yeah. it's what goes out of this place, and so... Um, so that's been encouraging to me, and I think that's exciting for me moving forward, whether yeah. I'm here a couple months or, or longer, yeah. to be able to invest and, and uh, kind of keep that going and encourage those folks to do some of those things. Well, great. We're really glad that you and Allison and the boys are here, and uh, God bless you, Wes. Thanks Thank for you. being with We're us. We're grateful. Thank you. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us for one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.